we'll be fine. But I, I'm glad we've got a place to come worship, aren't you? Uh, I'm glad that God is still true. He's still on the throne. Uh, we just sang the end of Amazing Grace, and I'm glad His grace is what will lead me home, right? Aren't you? Uh, his free gift, not just salvation, but He freely gives us wisdom and strength and everything else to keep on going. We're going to be in Romans chapter 14 this morning. Uh, the book of Romans chapter 14. And uh, we want to get into God's word this morning. Already been a great place to be. Uh, already been blessed. Thankful that God, uh, he, he's in the midst of this place. And I'm thankful for that. Because uh, he said it only takes two or three gathered in the midst. And he said, I, he, at two or three gather in his name. And he said, I'd be right there in the midst. Well, I think we got more than two or three. Uh, so I'm thankful for that today. But Re, uh, Romans chapter 14, we're going to start kind of near the middle, near the end. Uh, uh, verse 17 is what I want to look at. 17, 18, and 19. These three verses. So Romans 14, verse 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me. Lord, fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, also make it plain today, your word, the meaning. And Lord, I ask the Holy Spirit would touch hearts today, whether anyone is lost or whether uh, parts of this message hit, uh, touch our hearts. Lord, help us not to excuse it or to ignore it, but to deal with it today. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for that you're helping us each day to draw close closer to you. Lord, be with the kids downstairs. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. amen. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I like that. I don't, I don't know about you, but in this chapter in Romans 14, uh, the main point of the entire chapter uh, is this, that he is talking about how Christians treat one another. And the scenario is in verse one, when there's a doubtful disputation. And that, those are words we don't use as much, uh, especially together. That's kind of a weird phrase. But what he's talking about is when two Christians have a difference of opinion. And not just a difference of opinion, but a difference of opinion on things that aren't critical to the faith. You know, there are things that are critical to salvation, critical to the word of God. Uh, there are doctrines that we do not uh, budge on. You know, when someone says, well, let's come together, uh, certain groups, and, and we do that like tonight, we're coming together. But if another church says we don't believe Jesus is God, we're not coming together with that. All right. right. This is not what that's talking about. But issues, a lot of times they're opinions or preferences or things like that. These are areas where either the Bible is silent on it or it maybe it just has one obscure verse and that's it. And you could see already that we're talking about the early church. The early church had Christians disputing over things. And that still continues today. Uh, there are issues that divide uh, wrongly over. And, and one of the examples that are given in the chapter, again, we're not going to read the whole thing, but one of the examples is one brother uh, is going to eat meat and the other one says it's wrong to eat meat. You know, whether it's, uh, we don't get any uh, specifics around it, uh, whether it's right or wrong in certain instances or what, but we got two brothers arguing over with each other about whether they should eat meat or not. 
And God tells us, you know, he doesn't have a problem in this. He doesn't have a problem with uh, with eating meat or things like that. Uh, so here's what's happening. The brother that has no problem eating the meat uh, is supposed to abstain when he's around the brother that won't eat meat. So that way he doesn't cause him to stumble. Does that make sense? He, he is. There's a freedom there. But when he's around the brother, he says, hey, if it's going to make him stumble in the faith, just abstain with it. Just abstain from it. That's what he's saying uh, in, the, in the beginning part of this chapter in that. Uh, because here's the problem. Is the one brother uh, that thinks it's fine looks at the other brother and says, you are just a legalist. Right? And this brother that thinks it's not okay looks at him and says, you're just not holy. Do you see that? Have yeah. you seen this before in action? It, it's sad, isn't it? Especially when it's not something God, again, has, has laid out and, and put certain rules upon. And then in verse 10, by the time he gets to this, the Holy Spirit reminds these, these Christian brethren and, and these uh, doubtful disputations that, hey, we've got bigger concerns than arguing with one another, right? What's he say in verse 10? Uh, uh, but, why did thou, uh, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Do you yes. see that? Yes. We will all stand before Jesus Christ. Now again, this is talking to Christians. Remember, these are Christians right here that he's talking to. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall stand or, or every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Do you see that? And here's the problem. We say, okay, I see what God's trying to say here. He's trying to say uh, uh, that we, uh, should, we should remember one another that we're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before Jesus Christ in judgment. That's true. So that means we can't judge anyone else, right? Have you ever heard that? That's the, that's the other extreme. Remember the two brothers judging each other. And then now the other side of the coin is, well, we, I guess we just can't judge anything at all. no. The problem is you got on one hand, you've got someone that judges everything. And then on the other hand, you got someone that judges nothing. And, and the Bible says, I don't want you to do either of those. I don't want you to be the critical spirit that judges everything. And I don't want you to be the one that lets everything go as if God doesn't care. I'll tell you what, we, our church, if we decide, you know, at some point to have another deacon, we've got one right now. But guess what? We're going to have to judge that man according to the standards of the Bible, right? Yeah. And, and as a church, I've said this many times before. We've learned this. Whenever someone stands up here and preaches or teaches, we have to be like the Bereans. And we've got to take that and judge what they say against the truth, right? And if a man starts giving false doctrine up here, we've got to judge that. We've got to confront that man. Right? In love and say, hey, what you're teaching is wrong. What you're preaching is wrong. And then if he doesn't uh, take that, we're going to have to ask him to go. Yeah. There's judgment there. The Bible's okay. Uh, the Bible doesn't say to never judge and then uh, always judge. It's in, the, it's in the middle. There's always a balance there. But here's the reminder in verses 10, 11, and 12. We got to focus more on judging ourselves. Because a lot of times we focus on judging others too much, but we have to focus on judging ourselves because we ourselves will stand before Jesus Christ one day. So there's a balance there. But now let's get back to what he's saying. 
So then, you know, again, while these brothers are quarreling and disputing over what food they can and cannot eat and drink and things like that, God reminds us that uh, there's a bigger purpose, right? Uh, as our work as Christians for the kingdom of God. And here's what he says. Verse 17 is what I read. I finally got us to the passage. It says this, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see that? We could argue about meats. He's saying, but you're missing the whole thing right here. He's bringing us up again, bringing us up higher. God is saying, hey, you want to know what the real uh, being a true child of God doing, living the way God wants you to. It's not meat and drink. He's saying, but the first word is righteousness. You see that? That means right living, holiness, purity, living according to the Bible and what God has taught. That is righteousness. And here's the thing. I know he's talking to sinners right here. Or I'm sorry, he's talking to, to Christians right here in this chapter. But if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says in Isaiah 66, 4, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags and we do all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. True righteousness only comes from Jesus Christ. We can't be righteous on our own. We can't live right on our own. We can't be accepted by God on our own. Uh, he's got to take the sins away and then put his righteousness on our account. But if you've never been saved by Jesus Christ, you've never given your sins over to him and given your life to him and asked you to change your filthy rags and sin uh, for righteousness, you need to do that. Amen. And why? How can he forgive us? Because he took our sins on the cross. Right. He died for him. He was buried and three days later, he rose from the dead victoriously. He paid for our sin. But back to the Christians. Righteousness in the Bible is not just talking about how we dress. Not just talking about how we talk and we act on the outside. Righteousness, he's talking about is on the inside. Right? In the heart. In the mind. Everything. He wants us to be righteous from the inside out. Yes, right? Not just putting on a front on the outside. You can put on some pretty good clothes. You can uh, mimic the way people talk. You can act a certain way by watching Christians around you. But that's not the righteousness he wants. He wants true righteousness on the inside. And only God can change us from the inside out. And the Bible expects Christians to live holy. We're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. But that shouldn't stop us from trying to live a life pleasing to God. Right? That means when we talk, we need to talk righteously. When we interact with people, we need to interact righteously. That means when we go to work and we go to school, we're not going by their definitions of right and wrong. We're going by God's definitions of right and wrong. Amen? That's what we need to do. So here's the thing. I'll give you another one. When we're on our uh, the phones up here, but when you're on your phone, your tablet, your computer, you need to do that righteously too. Uh, and everywhere in between, no matter if people are watching you or not, we need to be reading and watching things that are that are that will bless us, not things that are sinful. But I don't know if you realize this or not. The world does not like righteousness, right? They don't like being told what to do. They don't like being said you can do this, but not that, right? They don't want that. Why? Because they're being led by their father, the devil. That's what the Bible says. And he, the devil, never liked being told how to live, right? He never liked to follow God's plan for his life. He rebelled. 
And, and that's what this world is following. They're following the rebel and they'd rather have the rebel than someone living by the truth of God. That's what they want. And this world is very good at taking things that are pure and perverting it, aren't they? I mean, you, uh, an easy example of sex. God has given it as a good thing for a married man and woman to do together, right? And outside of it, it's sin, anything outside of that. And this world has perverted it like it has so many other things, right? That's what they do. They twist what God has made as good and righteous and turn it into sin. But guess what? We can't follow this world's lead. We've got to live a pure life, a holy life, a righteous life before men. Why? Because God commands us to do that. Right? He said it's not meat and drink. We could sit here and argue over meat and drink. We could argue over dress. We could argue all over over all these things. But Paul is trying to tell us through the Holy Spirit. He's saying, hey, instead of that, what about righteousness? That's what you need to do. If you want to make a difference and you want to really serve the kingdom of God, it's going to take righteousness. What's next? And peace. Right? Comes right after righteousness. You know what peace is? It's a sense of quiet, tranquility of the mind. Freedom from being disturbed by fear, terror, anger, anxiety, agitation. You know, peace is talking about the mind. You see that? Then it makes you wonder, do you have peace of mind today? Do you? Is your mind calm or is it always agitated? Is it always fearing? Is it always second guessing? Is it always angry? Is it always overthinking? Is it always conflicted? Or do you have peace of mind? And you're thinking, well, Mike, I don't like that. Well, I don't like it either some days. Right? It's what the Bible says. And guess what? Our society has no peace of mind. Do they? At all. Whatsoever. And the, here's the problem is, I think some, uh, the church is starting to believe that there can be no peace of mind, even as a Christian either, right? I think we're starting to buy into this because this is all that we see. But I'm here to tell you the Bible promises peace of mind, that it's really attainable. Amen. And here's the thing. You may ignore everything else I say today, but if you don't have peace in your mind, I want you to write this verse down. Get something to write it down. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Write it down. If you don't have peace today, if you don't believe anything I say, I want you to take this verse, and if you don't have peace of mind, if you struggle with these things, I want you to memorize it. Just one sentence. Here it is. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. You got that? And you're thinking, well, Mike, maybe you didn't believe me when I said peace is peace of mind. He said, the Bible said, God said, thou will keep him in a little bit of peace, sometimes peace. No perfect peace whose what? Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth on thee. Those times when our mind isn't at peace, we got to rein it in. We got to get it back on the Lord. We got to think about good things. Those things that are robbing your mind of peace and think on godly things. Because here's the problem. You and I never slow down. Have you ever noticed that? We don't slow down. We never have. We probably never will. And here's the problem. When we don't slow down, we're not meditating on God's word. When we don't slow down, we're not praying. When we don't slow down, we're not trusting and and getting into some of these promises that will help us. And instead, we're trying to figure out how in the world in my busy schedule, and am I going to fix what I'm so stressed about? Doesn't work. 
Doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for you either. But do you see this? Do you see this list? Righteousness, then peace. It's no accident that peace comes after righteousness. Right? They are connected. They go together. Psalm 85.10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. They're together. They're as connected. Righteousness and peace are as connected as mercy and truth are together. Right? I don't want mercy that's not true mercy. I don't know about you. And he says righteousness and peace are together. Isaiah 32, 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. There he says right there. After righteousness, after you've worked and lived righteously, then peace comes after this. What's this world trying to do? They're trying to have peace without righteousness, right? Right? Don't tell me how to live, but I want to have peace of mind, right? Don't tell me what's right or wrong, but I don't understand why I have to turn to all of these things to get my mind to quiet down. Because God said, peace comes after righteousness. And you can't have one without the other. You know who offers peace without righteousness? The devil, right? right. This world. Every politician, I'm going to bring peace. I'm not going to tell you how to live because I'll lose votes. Right? Right. Can you imagine if I tried to run for something? It's a joke, wouldn't it? They'd stand up there and be like, do you realize all the things Mike says we can't do? As if it's me. (laughs) Right? That'll never work. Guess who will be real successful in this? The Antichrist when he comes. He's going to bring peace with no righteousness. But guess who will bring true peace after him? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, when he comes back to this earth, there will be peace. Why? Because right now, righteousness is voluntary. At that time, righteousness won't be voluntary. He'll get rid of everyone who's not, right? And then there will be peace after that. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that day. Aren't you? Remember what those kids were reciting today? Ooh, we're going to rule with him. Thousand. Ooh, that blesses me. I don't know about you. Anyway, let's keep going. What do we see today? Suicides are rising. Drug abuse is increasing. And the places on this earth that are most inclusive to sin are also the most dangerous. Why? You can't have peace without righteousness. Let me ask you this question. If you believe that, think about this. Think about these places like, you know, I'll think of California. So inclusive of all types of sin, but yet dangerous, right? We understand that, right? You would agree with me, right? Very dangerous state. They're they're having trouble with all sorts of things right now, and they have no solution. They don't understand why they can't rein in all of these things, but so inclusive. We understand that, but why don't we understand in our life, when we have unrepentant sin, when we have hidden sin, why we can't get peace of mind? The same that's true for California is true for the Christian. Amen? Amen. Okay. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Finally, third comes joy 
That's the pleasure of living righteously, right? That is having peace of mind and then realizing your hope is in Jesus Christ, right? That is realizing that he satisfies our needs. His promises are true because if you're worrying about all these things, you can't have joy, right? If you're not living righteously, you can't have peace. You don't have peace. You can't have joy. That's what he's saying. Joy is the third thing. Delighted in our minds that he would save our souls from sin, that he would love us like he does, that he would uh, leave all of heaven for our filthy rags that Jesus would do this for us I mean once you start realizing you start getting thankful to him you start praising him that's the joy part right there even in tribulation even in trial we can still have joy why because we're still saved he still loves us the Bible's still true we can still turn to him we have joy after that now let's keep going verse 8 for he uh, he that in these things what things Serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. In these things includes the verse before, right? For in that we live righteously and have peace and join the Holy Ghost, in that state, we need to serve Christ. You see that? We need to do his will, live how acceptable to him. And here's the thing. We've got to serve him. I've said this many times. Inside the church, outside the church. And if you're not living an acceptable life, you can't be if you're not living righteously, right? And serving comes after that. We learned today in Sunday school that Paul, he was confused. He was, it was the story about them going to Cornelius, uh, them going to the Gentiles and him taking the gospel to the Gentiles and kind of opening that door that would later uh, become the church at Antioch. And, and as he was doing that, he was confused. He saw this vision. The Bible says he was doubting in his mind. And I noticed this morning, a few verses later, he tells them without a doubt, I know that the vision meant yeah. that God said, call no man common or unclean and praise God because we're the Gentiles that opened up uh, uh, the Bible, the gospel to us uh, but in that story I realized he was doubting in himself and then he was clear and the only thing in the middle is he, he he followed what the Holy Spirit told him to do he didn't quite understand it but he said you know what God uh, if you say to go with these men I'm going to follow these men and I'm going to do what you called me to do and in his obedience what God told him to do became more clear guess what you want to know who God really is You'll never really know him without serving, stepping out and trusting. And you can't serve him and not be righteous. You can't really serve him and not have peace and can't serve without joy. You've got to have these things. Or you end up like the church that's working but lost their first love. And then finally, verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things where which one may edify another. And remember, back to what the whole topic of chapter 14, instead of arguing and disputing over the lesser things, he says, I want you to edify one another, build one another up, strengthen one another in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. It's not easy, is it? Right? It's not always easy to do that. Some, uh, some are at different levels of Christian maturity. Some people have extra grace that are required to deal with them, right? Uh, but we need to come together. And even though uh, we may have areas of differences, 
Moses, he says, come together and strengthen one another in Jesus Christ. I believe that's exactly why we do these joint services and God is blessing it way more than we'd ever imagined. Why? Because yes, we could sit the three churches down and we could figure out one of some of these little things that we disagree on. But how would that help? That's what he's saying right here. How would it help if the three of us got together and we argued over the littlest things and some of it is, uh, you know, maybe the Bible's not totally clear on it or whatever, but here's the thing. Or we could come together, we could build one another up, we could edify one another, we could help each other keep on going. And that's what God says I want you to do. Not just the churches coming together, but inside the church as well. Right? I want you to edify one another. Strengthen one another. Right? But let's let's make sure we're not just learning this to learn it. Let's do the test at the end. And since it's progressive, right? Since you make your way from righteousness to peace to joy to serving to edifying, we'll start at the end. Are you edifying other Christians? Are you helping build up? Is there someone that you're helping discipling, especially if you're a mature Christian in Christ, or, or are you discouraging or helping tear down because you can do either way, right? I, I've had periods, of, I know I've discouraged people and I, I'm sorry for that because I know there have been people that have discouraged me and how much that hurt. And it's easy to say yes, but who are you edifying? Be specific, think about it, who? And if not, then we need to pick somebody and ask God to show someone and, and help that relationship. Now this question, if are you serving Jesus Christ? Are you putting your time, your talents, your spiritual gifts to work for the Lord? Do you have joy in your heart? Are you regularly thanking him, praising him, uh, satisfied with what he's given you? Or are you always longing for more? Do you have peace of mind regularly? Not all the time, not, not 100%, because again, we struggle with these things. We have doubts from time to time. But what's more prevalent in your mind? Is it peace in your mind or turmoil in your mind? Which one happens more often? And are you living righteously? Or do you have secret sin, unconfessed sin, unrepentant sin, whatever you want to call it? As a Christian, we've got to deal with that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He will not bless that. You know, sometimes I've heard prayer requests of Christian people and they're saying, man, so-and-so is really struggling right now. God, Man, God, if you would just help them, God, with their struggles, and in the reality, it's the sin they need to deal with. Is that you? Then just deal with it today and get some peace, right? And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to today before it's too late, right? And this is what God's word is showing us. And you think about it. Where would you rather be? Where would you rather be at the beginning where you're not even living righteously, where, where you've got things that are hidden, then you're just like the world or you're like David was before the prophet came to him, right? And he was struggling with that. And he said, it ate at my bones. Uh, you know, he didn't, uh, it was just we making him weary because of all that. And then finally, he just uh, admits before God that he's wrong and says, I've sinned before you, God. I've sinned before heaven. And it's my fault, not her fault, not anyone else's fault. And then God gave him the peace back in his mind. That could be you today. And if you've served him once and you've stopped, man, I feel like I'm beating this drum over and over again, but I'm telling you what, get back on. Get back on the saddle and serve him. And maybe he'll make things that are unclear more clear. And who knows? 
I'll tell you what, one thing I've realized in Abraham's life, God gave Abraham promises, and at the beginning of his life, he gave less details, less specifics. And every time Abraham went somewhere God told him not to, he didn't hear from God. And then where he got back to where he needed to be, he heard from God again. And when he walked by faith and trusted God, God gave him more specifics and more specifics, right? You know, he'll do that with you too. Now, now don't look for more detail when you're not serving him. But anyway, we can have peace. We can have joy. We can serve him. And guess what? We can edify one another doing it. That's why I love this church. I don't feel like I'm alone here. Do you? I hope not. I feel like we're together in this. We're working hard. We're serving God. And God is blessing it. He's helping us. And he's keeping us going along the way. And I know sometimes it gets rough. And I know sometimes it feels like, uh, you know, it feels like we've got uh, way more work. And it feels like there's not enough time and everything else. But I'm here to tell you, who knows if we're almost done with this thing. God will help us every step of the way. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask everyone to stand this morning.